So when we lived in Wyoming, one of our favorite places to go on vacation was a place called the Black Hills. It was the Black Hills Forest. We'd go out there and it it just kind of, we decided one time to go out and just see what it was all about. And over the course of the four years we lived there, we went out several times to do some camping and we, uh, we found a little town that we loved to go into called Custer. And we'd go into this town and we'd get some ice cream or we'd walk around downtown We'd go to the Purple Palace and we'd get ourselves some or, uh, some pie, these big old giant slices of pie. And, and even one of the times we were out there, we decided to go on what turned out to be an ill-fated uh, attempt at an awesome family day hike. Um, someday, maybe I'll tell you a little bit more of that story or maybe I already have, I can't remember. But I remember driving out to the Black Hills one time and at one point as we're driving in, Sarah looks at me and she just says, this might be my favorite place that we go. This, you know, that, and I think that was kind of the day where it became the, this is our favorite family spot to go on vacation. We wouldn't necessarily spend a lot of time, but we just, we had a lot of fun. It's a beautiful area to get into. Highways that curve all over the place and, and the trees everywhere. But, but in order to get into this beautiful forest to go hike or to go hiking or camping or whatever it is that you're going to do, from where we came from anyway in Wyoming, we actually we had to drive through a spot that had had a fire go through it a few years before. We don't know when the fire came through exactly, but but at some point it had come through, and as you looked out over the landscape, all you saw was just charred tree stumps. You saw grass or what used to be grass where it was just black all along the, the floor of the forest. And it was really kind of a, it was a little bit of a discouraging thing to look at because you know it used to be so beautiful. And now instead, it's dead. And this is all there is. But if you looked really close, you could see little bits of green beginning to come back up. Out of this dead forest, you were beginning to see life begin to come back again. Kind of the opposite of what we've had since we moved here. Where, you know, when we got here in July, the corn was tall and it was green. And, and honestly, we didn't even realize, well, we knew, but we, we couldn't see that there were houses on the other side of the cornfield, you know, in, in all sorts of different directions. There were buildings, there were homes because the, the life was so thriving and flourishing. And now you look out at the cornfields and we see something totally different. And a lot of us, uh, we, we see that when we look at our lives and we look at the, the world around us, we see something that used to be so bright and used to be so full of life. And instead now we see or we feel inside ourselves something that is dead and something that, that needs life brought into it. Last week we spent some time and we talked about how, you know, Paul talks about how we have this ministry of reconciliation, this restoration that needs to happen. And, you know, why do we need that? And we looked at that, that we have made ourselves Lord over our lives and it's, it's caused things to go south. It's caused death to come into the world. It's caused death to come into our lives in whatever shape that looks like. Well, in the midst of all of that, he writes to the church in Corinth, and we looked at this last week, that we are new creatures. If you'd open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read through this again. 
In verse 11, it says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Elsewhere in his letter to the Ephesians, Paul writes that we are God's masterpiece. And I think that this, this illustration is so beautiful for what God is doing when he's turning us into these new creations that he talks about here in his letter to the church in Corinth. See, the, the old creature, the, the marred masterpiece, the, the one with the, the damage done to it that's been dulled and faded, the one that we often find ourselves being, the one that... If we're really honest with ourselves, we have we have led ourselves down that path to being that way. Like that old creature is following the old standards of judgment where the punishment goes along with the strictest codes, not the love and grace that Christ offered. That old creature is having it's living in the old distinctions between men where we elevate individuals above others, not seeing all men as created equal, but instead it ranks people as far as their value which is where we come up with ideas like slavery. That old creature has a a dependence upon ceremonies and rites in order to make them okay, in order to make them good. This is, the things I do aren't because I feel like I want to do them or because I have any desire to do them. I do them because I'm supposed to and because I've got to keep God happy. You know, I, I go to church on Sunday so that I can get in my hour so that I can call myself a good Christian or, but you better believe I'm going to do the absolute bare minimum. Nothing more, nothing less. But it's also not just about the rituals and the ceremony. This old creature that's lost its luster tries to look like it loves other people not to make their lives better, not so they can feel loved, but so that we can get the attention of others, so that we can look good. Old creature is full of the old weaknesses and faults where I fall into the same old destructive habits over and over and over again. And this old creature is full of the old pride and conceit where at least I'm not as bad as you. The old creature is full of the old hypocrisies and sins where I can tell you not to do something, but you better believe I'm going to do it and I'm going to make a good excuse as to why I'm doing it. I'm going to allow sin to pull me in and still think I'm okay. Even though if you did the same thing or something similar, you definitely would not be okay. The old creature is not an attractive creature. It's a painting that's lost its luster. The old creature pushes others away from Christ. The old creature pushes us into pits of shame and despair. But Paul writes to the church in Corinth that that we are made into new creatures. We are restored back to the masterpiece that God created us to be, the masterpiece that God has seen underneath the entire time. See, the new creature 
is generous because that's the desire that's in its heart. You know, we understand that we give for the sake of the other person, not so that we can pat ourselves on the backs. We understand that God gave his only son for us. So how can we withhold what we've been given? The new creature is sincere where we let our yes be yes and our no be no when we tell somebody something we mean what we're telling them. The new creature is righteous where we strive to live the way we talk and we talk in a way that is right. And the new creature is loving. The new creature puts others in front of ourselves where where we don't hold on to wrongs where we are patient and we are kind and we are good and we do not envy new creatures restored masterpieces attract attention it's a painting that people are attracted to they may not know why and they may not necessarily everyone like everything about it but there is something about it that pulls them in There's something about it that they see that this is different than all the paintings around it. This is, this is the kind of painting that I could look at all day and try and figure out how the artist came up with this idea. The new creature has been pulled out of the abyss of regret and the abyss of shame and the abyss of despair. And instead it walks around with hope and it walks around with peace joy and the world around it cannot help but look and wonder how it came about. God has taken the old creature and made it new. That's what Paul tells us. We are a new creation. I know that not everybody sees somebody who says that they've been restored and everybody who has decided to follow Christ who is who is claimed to be a new creation I know we don't always see that person we don't always see somebody who is the new creature that that we just defined and I get that I mean the truth is there are some people who if we're being completely honest they're forgeries you know they're, they're claiming to be one thing but they're allowing somebody other than the true artist to paint their picture to to turn them into that masterpiece or or restore them back to that masterpiece and so they, they put their trust in the wrong places. And some people, you know, they, they never actually uh, made that decision to, to allow Jesus to turn them into a new creation in the first place. So I, I completely understand that hesitation that some people have that, well, there's not really any difference between an old creature and a new creature by these standards. But there's also people that they begin the process and they realize it's more difficult than they thought it was. It's not as comfortable as they thought that it was going to be. And so they decide that it's not worth it. And so they, they turn back and they, they begin to start going back down those paths of the old creature. But, but then if we're being really honest and we get to that point where we're like, okay, I know that I've turned things over to him and I know that he's made me into a new creature, but I'm not, I'm not completely there yet. And we push aside that pride that says that we've totally arrived. We've pushed aside that, uh, that thing we're trying to communicate where we're better than people. And instead we understand that this is a process, that there is pain that goes with this. You know, when we realize that that's the truth, then we realize just how valuable it really is to go through that painful process of being chiseled back into the masterpiece that God sees us as. Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's masterpiece. 
I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I don't see a masterpiece, but I want to. So I go to God and I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, would you do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your Son? Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hi. Oh, who are you? I'm God. You said the prayer, so here I am. That's how it works. <laughs> you're not God. No, I am. Okay, uh, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is a very short book. It only has five chapters. Why is it so short? I was tired of lamenting. You are God. What's that about? These are the tools I'm gonna to use to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son, let's get busy. Okay. I'm gonna bring up things in your life that don't belong in your life. And uh, start right here, your anger. Ow! I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrongest of ways. You compare yourself to others instead of me, and you lie. You tell little white lies, you're so afraid of confrontation. You're becoming a people pleaser. Okay, time out. Um, I think you've done some really good work, and I'm looking pretty good right now. When you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately, you and other people need to see my son. Okay, but when I look like Jesus, people get uncomfortable, and I don't think I'm supposed to do that. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. No, what I'm saying is you've grown me to here. Maybe we take a break from each other for a while, all right? And then I'll stay here, and then you come back, and we can grow some more. You never just take a break from me. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but you never just plateau. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, chisel. No, 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 chisel. All right, here we go. Can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> this right here, that secret sin, that thing that you run to whenever you're hurting, you're angry, you're lonely, you're tired. Do you want to keep rearranging this in your life or do you want me to chisel it out? Chisel it. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. This, this hurts, okay? I don't think you understand this pain. Don't talk to me about pain. I know all about pain. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you are doing in your life that are insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. I know, but I've let you down so many times, God. No. You were never holding me up. Okay, then chisel away. But just be prepared for what you're gonna find in there. Cause I know who's inside there. God, I get up every morning and I hate what I see in the mirror cause inside is this scared, stupid kid. And I try, I try, but I can't. I can't be who everybody else expects for me to be. God, I can't even be who I wanna be, much less who you created me to be. So chisel away and just know what you're gonna find in there. You have listened to so many voices, so many critics for far too long that are not for me. And you've bought into the lie. You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night, at the end of the day, you think you're junk. I don't take time to make junk. I wanna show you something about my love. Reach in your back pocket. This is a, it's a page from a notebook when I was in college. How'd you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. Dear God, did I hear you right? You said you want to use me. But I feel really useless. But if you can take this life, this mess of a life I have, and do with it what you want, 
I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. It's gonna be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was gonna be easy when you said yes to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's. No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you. But maybe for the first time in your life, the way I made you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. You are an original masterpiece. I don't know how many times over the years I've seen that video. As a youth pastor in the Church of God, which we are a part of, uh, it used to be that every IYC, the skit guys were there, and, and some of the years they would do that skit for us, and they've remastered it, and then they've abridged it, and I mean, they've realized that, that they were onto something with this video, but with all of the times that I've seen that video, I'm still blown away each and every time at the truth that's in there and and the truth that I see in my own life that I see so many times I've allowed myself to fall back into that trap of just looking at the what I used to be or I've allowed myself to be actually pulled back into those things I've begun to to try and take control back over my life I've realized that that this is and can be painful and so I tell God, hey, how about we take a break? Or, or I just forget the work that he's already done. And for some reason, that's, that video is one of those videos that reminds me that he is doing a work. And if I will allow him to do that, then I will begin to be able to see myself in the same way that he sees us. Because God doesn't look at me and see someone who is marred and see someone who has, you know, who was once intended to be something so great, but he looks at me and he sees what I can be. And he sees what you can be. He doesn't look at you and just see all your failures. He sees how those failures can actually impact your life and impact others because of them moving forward. He sees the healing that can happen. He doesn't just see the wound. He sees the, he, he sees the healed scar. He's the, the farmer who looks out in a field and doesn't just see a bunch of dead cut corn, but instead he sees what can come up next. And he sees what this can look like with a little bit of work, sometimes maybe a lot of work, and dedication. He sees the life that can come out of this. He looks at that charred forest and he sees the green shoots ready to come up. Church, God looks at us and he doesn't just see a bunch of old creatures. He sees the potential of the new creature that we can be. He sees that in me and he sees that in you. For you were the old creature has gone away and the new creature 
has been left behind. Next week, we're going to look into just a little bit more of this ministry of reconciliation. I encourage you to keep looking through 2 Corinthians 5, 11-21. And I encourage you this week to, as you see people around you, don't just look at the surface, because that's so easy. But actually ask God to help you look and see what He sees. And as you look at your own life this week, I pray that you would look and you would see what He sees this week that you would see the new, the new creation, the new creature, the restored masterpiece that he can make you be.